Pierre Pressure Podcast. My name is Pierre. This is the podcast where I pressure, pressure musicians pressure, pressure, pressure. into talking about politics and music. The guest on today's episode is Don Landis. She's a really talented multi-instrumentalist, producer, singer-songwriter. She's been putting out great solo albums for years and years. She's also collaborated with a ton of interesting people. She was in a band called Hem. She collaborated with Will Oldham. Dawn also continues to tour with Sufjan Stevens on a regular basis. She also has a group called the Bandana Splits, which is a three-part harmony female vocal group. Dawn and I performed together a few times back in the day in New York with my group Bad Reputation. She moved to Nashville a few years ago from New York, and I was in Nashville recently and got to sit down and talk to her about all things musical and political. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dawn Landis. Hi, Dawn. Hello. How are you? How are you? Good. How's Nashville? It's pretty cool. What do you think? I mean, it's it's fall. You know. The, the last time I was here was uh, <laughs> that's my dog. Oh, that's um. <laughs> what's the dog's name again? Scout. Scout's gonna be in and out of this. Yeah. Program. You might hear her barking. Yes. The mailman. You never know. Um. Or male woman. But yeah. The I, male person. This, our person happens to be a male. Oh, yeah. got you. Yeah. A male male. <laughs> Not a male female. Exactly. Got it. Um. Last time I was in Nashville was uh, 2001, right after George Bush declared war on Iraq. Mm. And I thought Nashville was going to be like this crazy hick town where everyone was going to hate French people because I was, my dad called me and he hadn't called me in like a year. And I thought he was going to say that they're kicking French people. I was losing my mind (laughs) that they were going to kick, they were kicking French people out of the country. Wow. That wasn't the case. And people in Nashville were super nice. They are. Yeah. My experience today has been amazing. Oh, good. So yeah. what what brought you to Nashville? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because we moved here almost two years ago right after Trump was elected. And that was crazy. Literally, we moved from New York City where we'd been living for over a decade with a bunch of like-minded yeah, liberals. in the bubble. You know, yeah. in the bubble, in the creative artist bubble. Yeah. And then we moved to Tennessee which in Nashville, which is like a blue dot in a red state. So... We, it's we, a blue dot in a red yeah, state. Yeah, so ah, we so so we walked like Austin or, or something. We li- you're right, exactly. So we literally walked outside and and looked at each other like, where are we? Who are our people? We're not sure, you know. Right, you have no idea, and that's the we thing don't that's know. So and crazy we didn't about know people here. Yeah. Well, that's what's so kind of depressing about America right now is that normally you just don't know people if you move to a new neighborhood because you just don't know them. Right. Now you're like, maybe they want to kill me. Or maybe they want to kill people like me or not kill people like me, but maybe they want to lock people up at the border. Like, it's not just like these might be kind of like not very friendly people. These might be people whose politics are influencing horrible, horrible things in the world, you know? I mean, we lucked out because I'd, I mean, within, I mean, everyone's so friendly in this neighborhood. It's a true old school neighborhood. Yeah. And within the first two weeks, all of our neighbors had either invited us over for dinner or taken us out to dinner. And I'd say of our immediate neighbors... Three out of five are like very liberal and spoke of that immediately to us. You know, they needed to break the ice. Yeah, and then our two conservative neighbors at the time didn't really mention politics. You know, and they could maybe tell by the fact that we moved from New York. I don't know. And they were being nice neighbors by not bringing. They were being so nice. It's southern hospitality. It's a real thing. I've even just experienced it in the last hour that I've been Uh here (laughs) at the hotel and stuff. It's amazing. It's really cool, actually. And I think that, I don't know, maybe that's something that could like save people is if people's better instinct to be polite and nice takes over 
they're yeah, political. Mor- they're mor- morality is a good thing, I morality think. Morality is a really good thing. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, being... it's been removed from the political rhetoric. Absolutely. Lately, but yeah. It has been. Because I like I, we've known each other for a long time, I but know. I don't really know. You know, like what when you started playing music, were, as a kid, did you take uh, lessons? Hmm. I took piano lessons reluctantly for a few years, and and I always just I didn't want to practice. I just wanted to write my own songs. Yeah. You know. How old were you? Seven. Yeah. And then, so I didn't have the, um, reg- I wasn't regimented in practicing and my parents, I mean, they didn't force me to. So mm-hmm. I was more into singing and I was yeah. singing in school and, and then it wasn't until I was in high school that I started taking guitar lessons. Oh, I, I played, um, alto sax in the marching band oh, yeah. in middle school. That was fun. Nice. Do you remember <laughs> your first song that you wrote when you, so you started playing guitar and then writing songs on I guitar? did, but you know what? I wrote on piano a little bit, too, even though I didn't. We always had a piano at my house, but um, I, I did a song I remember about my brother's girlfriend who dumped him. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, and that's so nice. <laughs> you were feeling for him, feeling his pain. I was, yeah. The chorus is this. Can I say... Curse you words? can say curse okay. words. Oh my God! Will you play so the, the song? Well, I don't know the, you chorus, don't know the chorus, but I just remember that the chorus was. Uh, well, the first line was, "Today I don't remember the verse melody, but today I got my wisdom teeth out, and it reminded me of how much I hate you." That was like the first line. <laughs> Do you remember the, me- about you don't remember girl. the melody? Well, I remember the melody for the chorus, which was like. <clears throat> Oh, Gretchen, you were such a whore. You ripped my brother's heart out and threw it on the floor. And I looked up to you. I looked up to you. Wore all the right clothes. I looked up to you. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a country (laughs) song. I feel like that's a country song. It really is. Oh, Gretchen. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And was your brother appreciative of you taking this song? I think he was kind of weirded out. I mean, nobody cared. Nobody (laughs) knew. Did Gretchen hear it? No, I mean I was like Do you fifteen still know or Gretchen? something. Um, I don't know. I never really knew Gretchen. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's so cool that you were taking his side though. And like, I feel like my twins are such um, partners in crime. I could see Vivian writing a song like that for her brother. Aww. it's like such a cool. You were a good sister. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I hope you appreciated that. <laughs> so that's the first song you wrote. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was one of the melody. first for sure. You know, that had a full structure to wow. it. Yeah. So you've always been attracted to um, writing songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And then you got the guitar, and but do you still write, do you still play piano and write on piano and stuff? Um, you know, I I just recorded a bunch of songs that I wrote after my daughter was born, and they're kind of in the lullaby because I was trying to be quiet, you know, around her yeah. and actually literally soothe her from crying by yeah. with music. Yes, which I'm sure you have tried. There's and, a long tradition of yes, parents. people do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. That. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did a lot of that on piano. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then you sing them for her. Do you, is that stuff that might end up on a record? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Cool. When did you start like joining bands or playing in bands or doing stuff like that? You know, it's funny. My uh, freshman year of high school. I, there was this guy named Pat, and he was like the outlaw kid with long hair. And he, mm-hmm. I heard that he was starting a band, and they needed a singer. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't play guitar at that point, uh, but I knew I loved singing in choir. So Pat was the cool guy with the yeah. long hair, and I wanted to be in his band. And he said, okay, well, fine, you have to audition. So my audition was to learn the high lady aria part in the Pink Floyd song. I can't remember the name of the song, but it's like the... Whoa, 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 yes, or whatever. So I learned that. You nailed it. And then I sang it a cappella, just like this, 
in the courtyard at our high school wow. to him. And then he said, okay, you got, you got the gig, you, got the you job. know? And then, so we were sort of rehearsing and I learned like, I, they were just a jam band and I played like a box of macaroni and, and we learned, you know, some Eric Clapton songs and some Pink Floyd songs and. Cool. What and, was that band called? You know what? I don't even know if we had a name and I don't even know if we ever had a proper You gig. never played Fuck You, Gretchen, though. <laughs> no. Well, that's the thing is, is um, I, but it inspired me to start taking guitar because okay. I saw how a band worked. You know, we would rehearse yeah. at the drummer's house and then I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I started secretly taking guitar lessons. Oh, I didn't can, tell maybe anyone. I could do this myself. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody in that band or anybody that I knew that was playing, mostly guys who were playing music. I didn't tell them that I was taking guitar lessons for like a year because hmm. I didn't want, I kind of sucked at yeah. the beginning, you know what I wanted? You were just getting your <laughs> shit together on your own. be good at it. Were you trying to take the guitar player's um, job? <laughs> no, I think I just wanted to be him. I wanted to do that myself, right. you know, I want right. to have my own band. Right. And uh, so I was secretly taking lessons and then I actually, two girlfriends of mine, Alicia and Amanda, they started taking, Amanda started taking bass lessons and Alicia started taking drum lessons mm. and we got together and I said, all right, I know how to do this now. Wow. Like we'll rehearse, you know, we'll write songs together. Yeah. Cause you had seen the, the I template. I had seen how it how went. Exactly. Works. And That's then cool. we what started, grade uh, was that? that was, I think my junior year or something. And then we actually had a name. We were called cookie cutter, wet dream fantasy after something wow. that Courtney Love wrote in a piece about how much the music industry sucked which i thought was pretty cool okay so it was a statement like a it was a, we were into yeah she was alicia especially was really into riot girl mm -hmm. music and so um cool but you know and we wrote songs with magnetic poetry and just like hung out and it was yeah. like how a lot of male bands start i think yeah. it's just guys hanging out with each other yeah playing and i don't think that that happens as much with women but it's really cool reason. in the 90s I think this is in the, around the 90s or something we're talking about. Oh, yeah, probably Maybe. like 97 or something. Yeah, yeah. so like there was uh, this scene of women bands that kind of just said, like, we can do this too. This yeah. is not a male yeah, yeah. thing, so yeah. let's do it. Yeah. yeah, and I was listening to Ani DeFranco mm -hmm. and, you know, Alicia, because Alicia had made me a tape. Of, she was really influential on me, um, Alicia Robin. Thank you, Alicia, um, for introducing me to all this great women power music, you know? So, whole or Oh, you yeah. Well, that was the Courtney Love influence yeah. for sure. But yeah, I mean, Bikini Kill. Yeah. And, um, uh, but Ani DeFranco was a big one for me, especially because I loved her message. And was I thought, PJ Harvey out at that point? She was, uh huh. I liked her, her too, but she kind of scared me a little bit. Oh, I mean, really? I mean, I love her music, but yeah. there's something really dark about it in the way that, like, Nirvana was dark, and I kind of, yeah. like, was like, oh, I'm scared. I'm not scared of that music. Aren't it you just, supposed to be scared of the it, punk stuff? I though? guess you're supposed yeah. to, but like it made me feel... Um, sad. Sad. Really? It did. That's interesting. I love PJ Harvey so much. No, I love PJ Harvey yeah. too. I'm thinking more about about Nirvana. Yeah. Um, and I like Nirvana well, a lot. Well, there's a reason why Nirvana makes you feel sure. sad. It's like a very from the mind of a very, very depressed person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. PJ Harvey doesn't make me feel sad. Right. She just... Um, and I like a lot of her music, but um, I don't know. I was I was more interested in the the I was Ani DeFranco was the the one for me. I really got into her okay. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you guys were doing cookie cutter. I can't remember. Wet dream fantasy. Cookie cutter. We played one show. Yeah, we played one show and it was a disaster. Alicia didn't realize that the drummer that you had to put a carpet on the stage. So her drums were like sliding (laughs) all over. Oh my God. Did you guys play at the school or something? No, we played in this very, I don't even remember how we got the gig, but it was like a gymnasium not at our school and there was a metal band that played after us oh my god love it hilarious (laughs) and what did you guys sound like were you the singer i was a singer i'm yeah kind of in the style Mm -hmm. of ani defranco ish but also influenced by riot girl you know so there was this were you playing an electric guitar no i played acoustic yeah wow and was it mic'd or amped or something like how was it i just had it plugged into an amp yeah which is a problem for an acoustic guitar no it was fine oh it didn't feedback or anything no it was okay. It was I'm very okay. concerned. Oh yeah, don't don't worry about my okay. guitar. It was fine. Okay, great. Worry about the drums sliding all <laughs> right, over the, the stage. Right, the drums were sliding. That was the main problem. <laughs> that's amazing. So one gig and then one that's gig. It. That's all. We, but mostly it was about getting together and making music together. Like yeah. I remember I had a Walkman recorder and I would record our rehearsals. Yeah. And then I would just like get so into it so and like psyched. listen back to it and be like, yeah. "This is amazing. Like we're you're doing amazing music. work here." Yeah. It was. Do you so have cool. any of those tapes? No. Still? Thank God. Thank God the internet didn't wasn't big back then because I would be so embarrassed probably. You'd but probably be in so my mind to hear it though. In my mind it was this magical, like creative, fertile time, you know. Yeah. It's very I mean, it's so useful to go through that and make those mistakes and then you yeah. know, keep going. And so then what happened after that, Ben? Like is there something else? <laughs> um, what happened after that? Well then I started at that time I started playing out at open mics by myself. I lived this is in, Louisville? in Louisville. Yeah, I Louisville. lived downtown. You say it the right Louisville. way. Louisville. I lived downtown, and there was a place that still exists, but it has it's under new management now, but it's called the Rudyard Kipling, and it was this awesome sort of beehive of creative people. Like, you know, it was a restaurant and bar, but they had open mics once a week, and so I would literally just, it was a block away from my house, I would walk there and, and sign up and play. And then I went to uh, the summer after my junior year, I went to this like nerd camp called Governor Scholars, where you, I think it was a six week or three week program where we lived on a college campus and chose a major and a minor. And um, there were kids from all over the state that came and it was really Mm -hmm. fun. And every weekend they would have a like um, performance and people, anybody could perform. And I did that every weekend. And that's when I really was like, okay, like I want to do this mm-hmm. all the time. Like this is amazing because mm-hmm. the open mics, it's a different vibe, you know, but when you're performing for people and this was like 300 people or something, you wow. know, it was a lot of people and yeah. it was in a professional hall, yeah. you know, with like, you know, I remember I mostly played, I played a couple originals, but mm. I would play like Sinead O'Connor or something, you know, yeah. like I remember playing Black Boys on Mopeds mm. at one of those. Great song. Great song. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, so that's when you like thought I, I want to do this yeah and people would come up that I didn't know you know people would come up to me and say hey like can I get that song like I want to have that song that you just sang mm-hmm. and then I thought okay well I guess I need to record these songs mm-hmm. and then I went back home and learned how to use a four track my friend Jeremy helped me and then I recorded a tape an actual mm-hmm. tape and I sold them and so like I, actually, tape. I sold them before I made them so did you at record the, them the and then just like run off a tape from a machine 
Or did you make a professional? Tape? I made a professional. Oh, you tape. made actual. Tapes. Yeah, I okay. made like a hundred or whatever, and oh, my cool. mom helped me. Like, yeah. my friend took the photo. You mm-hmm. know, it was called Toys for Men. Um, yeah, because yeah. that was the sign that I was hanging off of. Okay. Blindfolded. It was so dramatic and ridiculous. But um, you must have that somewhere. I do somewhere. I'm That's never cool. sharing that with anyone ever. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a hundred of them floating around. Somewhere. Was that just you by yourself recording, or did you have? No. So my friend Jeremy Frindell. Mm-hmm. helped me record that and then I had um him he played guitar with me on it and I think I had some other people sit on on instruments um and then I met this guy Jeff and he helped me put a band together he was an older guy and then I started gigging out like I remember I did my first out-of-town gig in Bowling Green Kentucky I opened for his band and they kind of sounded like Radiohead at some bar okay. you know um and I just like drove with them in the car Mm. you know there and back for the night how far away is that it's funny Bowling Green's closer to Nashville than it is to Louisville it's like yeah. an hour it's like an hour away but Louisville I can't say, I'm not gonna Louisville say Louisville is fine you can say that I'll say Louisville mm-hmm. it had always had such um, really cool music scene mm-hmm. going on like in the 90s like I just remember Will Oldham yep. and like um, Slint all, all, Slint yeah amazing David Love Paho Slint. David Paho and mm-hmm people all around that um, scene there was a uh what is it Freakwater. do you remember that band yeah i, I remember great. that name i don't know yeah. i don't know why it's I remember two women that. um oh okay from louisville yeah i mean there's tara jane o'neill who's awesome and yeah. then there's um the rachels the rachels the really rachels good. shipping news I, I worked at a restaurant with a lot of these people oh okay um did you do something with will oldham i did yeah did i met him much him? later yeah actually i recorded with him before ever well, no, the, we had met, but um, yeah, I got asked to do this Dylan in the 80s compilation, so okay. I wanted to sing Dark Eyes, and then I asked him if he wanted to sing it with me. it separately I recorded it in New York oh without meeting with, well yeah and then it's funny like a few months ago I went to Louisville to sing at my friend's record release and he's buddies with Will and we both were there and so we sang it together for the first time you actually on oh, stage cool. which was fun how cool yeah. but, bef- but before that we had recorded a video uh, it's funny I I was like hey I'm in Louisville I was working on my musical this is a couple summers ago yeah and I said, oh, let's hang out. Like, do you want to go ride bikes or something? He said, and this is so classic. Will Oldham, he's like, yeah, why don't we climb a tree? You know? <laughs> so I was like, okay. He's really like that. Oh, no, so check this out. <laughs> oh so I God. go to the spot where we're going to climb this tree. And it turns out it's not just climbing a tree. Like There's a like a wood. team of people with video cameras wow. and hoists. And we actually what? go very high up in this huge tree. And we sing a song of his. Wow. Yeah. And I was so I was scared. It was scary. I was like see? harnessed to this big, like, and yeah. he he had a harness where if he fell he would just like hang upside down like a bat. But I had I was like tethered to the tree. <laughs> so that's so is there's that, a video. Is that out there? There's a video of that on their song, the Ohio Riverboat song. Tree. So like he said, let's go climb a tree, and but he was really like, let's go make a video. Yeah. Was really well, happening. maybe he had he had maybe told me a heads up, but oh, I, I Ohio had, Riverboat song is an early it's, it's um, a great song. Alice Brothers song. Yep. 
there's always some sort of humanitarian cause going on yeah that's cool yeah wow how cool and then um and you and then you moved to new york at some point i did for college yeah oh for college Mm -hmm. Ah, and um and kept playing music and yeah although the first year i was sort of shell-shocked and didn't I thought I would like play a bunch of open mics, but I didn't. I think I was just so, I didn't know anyone. You know, I didn't know a single person in New York when I was there. What were you studying? I was, I didn't know. I thought, I think I wanted to study ethnomusicology. So I was taking some anthropology classes. Yeah. Where Um, were you? NYU. NYU. But I didn't have to declare a major until my second year, which Mm -hmm. is actually when I dropped out. Okay. (laughs) So I was like, let's just major in life right now. That's good. It's good that you were able to figure that out. Yeah. Before Before all the loans. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I I paid off my loans really early, so that's nice. So let's hear a song. Okay. I I would love to hear you play a song. Okay. Um, What what are you going to play? I'm going to play Keep On Moving for my new record. Okay, great. Yeah. California, he did grow his hair so long. There was a man who walked to California singing a song, singing a song. There was a woman walked a thousand miles with her daughter on her arm. There was a woman walked a thousand miles saving the farm, saving the farm. on it. 
That was great. <laughs> so tell me about that song. Keep on moving. Okay. It's on your um, amazing new country record that you just put out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's called the new record's called Meet Me at the River. And um, uh, it it's funny, like that song, actually, when I was listening to the mixes, there are 12 songs on the record. I thought that that song stuck out and it didn't really fit with the other songs, mm-hmm. mainly because it's kind of political but there are a couple other songs on there that are a little bit political yeah now uh, there's some jimmy driftwood covers on mm-hmm. there and the one about um the color of color uh, of the solo man yeah yeah beautiful song too mm-hmm. thanks yeah. and uh, the and church one i think that's is also jimmy really driftwood beautiful yep. yeah yeah it's called oh my, is it really that's a cover yeah oh. both of those are by jimmy driftwood okay so we're talking about there's a song of his called my church which mm-hmm. is funny because there was a country hit a couple years ago called my church and it's a very different message from the song that Is i it? sing well the lyric and people are funny like they see the word church in a title and they don't even want to listen to the song but yeah. the message of that song is i mean the chorus is um my church is under the tree. My church is over the sea. Mm-hmm. Deep in my mind, may I always find my church in the heart of me, mm-hmm. which is basically like religion is everywhere. Yeah. Like, like spirituality is, is in nature. Yeah. And I love exactly. that. And I, I know so many people that feel that way. Yeah, like you put the word church in the title of a song out. and they won't even listen to it. Interesting. So people are so anti-religion I that think they won't they even are. listen to a church song. I really Well, I have so. to be honest. When I first was just like glancing at your titles. Yeah. It's been a while since like we've talked to stuff. I was like, oh, maybe Dawn like got really Jesus-y now that she's back in Nashville. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think that's the case. I mean, well, whatever. Funny. I'm not I mean, judging, but I was like, oh. And then after listening, I'm like, no, I don't think that's not really what the song's about. No, it's, yeah, yeah it's really, yeah, it's funny how yeah. people can misconstrue something. Yeah. You know. That's cool. But the, also the song, that, so the song you sang, um, Keep On Moving, is your song. You wrote yeah, it. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah. And so it's, it reminds me of like, there's people walking. There's maybe a women's women's march, or uh-huh. is that what's what's up? Well, I mean, there. I was definitely inspired by, yeah. I mean, I had gotten out and made some signs, and I went to the women's march in mm-hmm. D.C. and I went yeah. to some marches here in Nashville, and I felt very paralyzed yeah. by the election, and I felt yeah. very um, angry yeah. <laughs> at yeah. the way women, especially, were being talked about in yeah. the media and. It's just upsetting. And my yeah. mother, it was her birthday and she's she's been fighting for women's rights her whole life. And okay. she cried. You know, yeah. it's like, that's not cool. Her birthday was like in the election? Yes. November 6th is her well, birthday November, or 7th? Well, November 9th. Uh, 9th. 9th, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of crying that Yes, went on. a lot of a women lot of, crying of our, that age. In our house. Crying, oh well. yeah. And True. around, yeah. True. But I just felt so upset and, and you know. Oh. Let's on. take a break. cried and several other people in my life were crying and it was just you know like I said paralyzing you feel like you want to do something and and that's what you do you get out in the streets you make a sign and you you march with people who feel like-minded and I and I just started thinking about wow like this throughout history like whenever people feel moved to do anything they walk about it they go outside and they just walk like Mm -hmm. for different reasons like 
breast cancer awareness mm-hmm. or, you know, um, different diseases or, you know, like, and I talk about this in the song and I just started looking up actual people who had taken long walks a la Forrest Gump. You know, that's a yeah. fictitious character, but there are people that have actually walked across the country. Yeah. Who's the woman that was walking the with her woman, child? The um, woman, I actually don't remember her name right now, but um, she walked 2000 miles. Wow with her daughter and they walked along train tracks at, because she heard about a contest in New York and um, she had to make it. She had to walk to New York in like two months or something like that. And she went with her daughter. It's a fascinating story. Yeah. Uh, and then she ended up writing a book about it. And that was the prize money was for her to write about her experience. Whoa. But her and her daughter and they had all these I mean, they, she, they would make their own clothes. They didn't travel with much, and they would just get jobs in each town to like yeah. pay for their lodging and wash dishes and whatever. That's because amazing. her farm was uh, saving the farm was the lyric, and it's because her she had a big family too, and she got a lot of um, flack from the community for leaving her family. I think that her, I think that her father had died or something had happened in her family, and she needed to provide for her family, and so this was her big shot that she was going to walk to New York and get this prize money. And wow, it's a crazy story. That's I can't believe great. someone hasn't made a movie about it. I know it. it's, it's amazing. Um, and so you, you use, you used musicians from around Nashville or you, this, this famous producer. Yes. Um, so it's a really like, it's, it's got a real standard Nashville country sound. I don't mean that. I mean that as a compliment. Oh, thanks. Like it's That's really what I, I wanted. Yeah. beautiful, clean. It's, it's not, it's a departure from some of your other records. Cause you always do really, uh, adventurous things with production. Yeah. You're a recordist, uh-huh, you're an engineer, you're yes, a producer, yes. right? So this is more like, I, I imagine you just like gave the reins to this guy I did. and said, go for it, dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sounds amazing. Fred Foster produced the album and, yeah. and he, he used to run monument records, which if you're not familiar with their catalog, you need to check it out. They, mm-hmm. I mean, he, it's like, he was one of the old school Nashville producers like Chet Atkins who yeah. would sign artists. He would have their publishing he would kind of manage them hmm. and like, like put it all together. He would yeah. write the liner notes on the back of the album. Wow. He would produce the album, and he did this for like Dolly Parton's first wow. record. Roy Orbison, he did all of his hits. He did he Chris Christopherson. He signed Chris Christopherson as a writer. Wow! And he didn't think he wanted to be a singer. And Fred likes to tell the story. He said. Well, why do you want to sign me? I sound like a frog, hmm. you know. And then Frog er, Fred said, "Well, you sound like a frog that can communicate." Oh, nice. You know? so. Well, it's interesting because you said that Nashville's uh, the blue dot in the red state, and mm-hmm. so like you have these political songs, and you're you're in, doing this full on country tradition. And so, is there like a tradition here in Nashville of like kind of speaking the truth, like being liberal, being more truth to power within the country tradition? Do you know what I mean? I'm not really familiar with modern country as yeah. much. You know, I'm I'm thinking more of like the Americana artists like Sturgill Simpson or yeah. Margot Price who are yeah. very, or even Mary Chapin Carpenter what about, um, who are very vocal about the way they feel about politics. Yes. You know, even Taylor Swift recently spoke sure. out. Sure. And there's another woman who I love who's a country musician and her name is now escaping me who makes these country songs and she's really... Shania Twain? No. Uh, kind of a young... Musgrave, Casey oh, Musgrave. Oh, Casey Musgrave. She's, She's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. it is kind of a thing. But yeah. yeah, Casey Chambers is also another good one. She's Australian. Yeah. yeah. But so you're, you're working with like, did you have um, session musicians and I stuff? I did, yeah. So this was very old school. Like we had a, um, 
a session leader and it was all on the clock, you know, it was all uh, with the union. musicians union. And oh, wow. We had three hour recording Chunks. sessions and everything and was charted. Everything was charted Wow! and they charted it like who made the charts? Somebody, Larry, Larry Paxton, who was the session leader and wow. we got together one time. The whole thing happened so quickly. It's, it's wild. Fred and I had been working on the songs yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. And then when we got all the songs together, Larry came over to Fred's house and sat there and I literally played each song once huh. and he charted it out and he, and he's like, I got this. There was one, no, there was one song where I had to play one section one more time and that was it. Wow. He wrote it out and like then, you play him and he's watching you. He's not even watching me. He's listening. He's listening and he's like, he knows what chord you're yeah, playing from his ear. Yes. And that's, that's insane. That's what he does wow. for a living at the Grand Ole Opry. And a lot oh of the guys who God. played on my record are in the house band at the Grand Ole Opry. Oh no So way. they do this every night. Every night they back up wow. artists and learn these songs. And How wild. What a cool experience. How'd you get involved with that guy, Fred? Well, because, well uh, Fred, so I, I met Fred actually through, roundabout through Larry Crane from Tape Op Magazine. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he here in Nashville? Um, no. No, I think he's, he's in Portland. In Portland. Yeah. yeah, but he travels all around. But yeah. no, I reached out to him because I thought I wanted to make a record that sounded like Nashville from like the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And I just wondered if anyone was still around that was making music still that had worked on some of those records. Mm-hmm. And um, he mentioned Fred and he said... How, he do just, you know he Larry just, Crane or how did you get involved with Yeah, that? I know Larry. Oh, I've written know. for Tape Op and oh, he, okay. he interviewed me for Tape Op. Oh, and cool. We're friends. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. And um, so he uh, he said, I don't know if he would be interested, but here's his number. And he also put me in touch with Kyle Lenning. And Kyle, act, Kyle was really the reason I think that Fred decided to do it because Kyle said he would engineer it. And Kyle Lenning is an incredible producer engineer himself, mm. who seems like he's semi-retired now, but he's still working. I mean, he doesn't any... need to, but he he is occasionally doing stuff. For, he's just keeping active for fun. Yeah, probably. and I mean, he produced Randy Travis hits, and I mean, his he's wow. got incredible uh, CV too. But is there any crossover with um? Ween's album, 12 Golden Country Greats. You know that album? <laughs> no. You don't know that album? No. I don't know if you're a Ween fan. I like Ween. So Ween did an album, album of like Nashville. Oh, cool. With Nashville Sessions. It's it's a Ween album. So okay. you can imagine. That's fun. But they it's similar in sound to yours, where meaning that it's top of the line, yep. hot shit mm-hmm. Nashville guys. It's pretty a, awesome. The A-team. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I got the real A-team because everybody yeah. wanted to work with Fred. You know, Fred's yeah. in his 80s and he's very revered in Nashville. Yeah. His name is Gold, yeah. you know? So these guys didn't know who I was and they didn't care, but they wanted to work with Fred, you know? Yeah. So it was it's cool. It's really great. cool to be in the studio with them. They they wanted to do well because he was in the room, you know? Cool. That sounds great. Just hear the sleigh bells tingling, ring to tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you who. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. You did so much cool stuff like, um, well, the bandana splits, which I love, yeah. which is your trio. With mm-hmm. Going, it's it's kind of like a modern version of cookie cutter female <laughs> I can never remember the name of that band <laughs> nobody could I mean uh, you got your power 
trio of ladies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a little less Riot Girl, a little <laughs> yeah. more Powder Puff, but you yeah, know, um, beautiful harmonies. Yeah, and it's super cool. Do you still do that? Uh, it's funny. We usually we made a Christmas album, and we wrote a couple Christmas songs. And we every year we seem to get offers for Christmas gigs, and this is the first year that all three of us haven't been available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lauren and I are going to do a gig, our single one gig of the year. Okay. At, I think at a museum in DC. We're oh, playing cool. a show, just the two of us. So. Cool. Yeah. I. I is there something out like available to hear? Oh yeah, there's. We made two albums. Yeah. One of them, our first one, is called "Meet the Bandana Splits." Okay. And it's all very like doo-woppy, shoo-woppy yeah. kind of Ronettes. Yeah. Um, sounding Andrew's Sisters. We love the Andrew's Sisters. I love that. Remember mm-hmm. we did a show together with them. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and then you made a French record. I Mal- did. Habillé. Malabillé, yes. Toutes les belles inconnues sur la grande avenue d'en haut vous êtes toutes diverses, présentes et curieuses. L'inconnu de la journée a des yeux excités. songs in French I that was. you wrote. I you wrote, wrote a bunch of songs I in did, French. yeah. Or had people write with me because yeah. I lived over there for a little while. And yeah. I was on a French label for two albums and I was touring with so much in Europe that yeah. I rented an apartment through a friend and, mm-hmm. in Paris and, and took lessons and started learning the language and one of my assignments was to write a song or to write a poem mm-hmm. using all these old phrases yeah and so that's where malabie came yeah, from yeah why malabie means like not well dressed it means badly dressed badly yeah. dressed yeah. that was my first song that I ever wrote was this poem for this class uh-huh. and they gave us a list of old expressions that basically old people old French people yeah. use so um um ought come toi pomme the size of three apples oh. which means I'm feeling small Je, je, je me sens haute comme trois pommes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was just a fun exercise. I should do that in English. Take a list of old expressions and. I know, right? Stuff that people it. don't say anymore. Yeah. Like when I when I first moved to the states, when I was a kid, when I well, sorry, I should re- rewind. When I went back to France the first time when I was a teenager. Yeah. I was speaking French like my dad because I hadn't been in France (laughs) since I was a little kid and so I was using super outdated, you know, French expressions. That's cool. That's great. I love that. And so is that one out, Malabie? Yeah, they're all out. I mean, they're all available. Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And then you've you've been touring a little bit or you toured a little bit with Sufjan Stevens. I did. I toured a lot with him. How was that? It was great. I mean, I played in his band for the Carrie and Lowell album tour. We did like 120 shows wow. or something all over the world. Yeah, it's crazy. What, tri- what were you playing? I played guitar mostly and then some piano and synths. And Wow. Was it a big band? There were only five of us. Oh, cause yeah. he, so he like stripped everything down. He did, I yeah. didn't get to see that It was a tour. great, was so beautiful show. I mean, it was very visual. You he guys had, all wore like spandex wore outfits. No, 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 no. That's a different tour. Different tour. I did okay. two tours with him. The first tour yeah. was the really long one for Carrie and Lowell, which is a very introspective, beautiful album. Okay. And it was he had this these giant, um, they looked like stained glass panels from a church, but they were uh, LED screens and he would project videos on them behind wow. us. 
but we all wore black and it was very somber because that album is about his his the death of his mother oh really uh, yeah okay so people were weeping you know and people wow. were, you know it was a very cathartic experience yeah. for everybody I slept on my back in the shade of the meadow like a champion get drunk Was that also a five piece, like a there small? There were five band? of us. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So you really got to like dig in with instrumentally, like how did all that stuff get arranged? I think I became a better musician from that tour. Just, I'm not surprised. Just having to learn because there were only five of us, yeah. and everybody was such a great musician in that band. I had to step it up and wow. get better and stuff. What an amazing! So, like, how does stuff get arranged on a Sufjan Stevens tour? He, he does tour? it. He just figures it out. He does, he does everything. It. Yeah, and he wants people to do, you know, I think Ben Lance, who's incredible, he plays trombone, and he has his PhD in trombone, but he plays bass and guitar and synths. Okay. And I remember at one point, I think he was playing like five things at once. You know, he was like yeah. doing foot triggers, and wow. you know, I mean, we had, everybody had their own like Ableton Live station. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? So you're all, it's all sequenced? It's all? Not all of it, but some of it, some of it Because it's funny, because he went from... Having 25 people on stage, you know, mm -hmm. to, to the opposite, right? It seems like, but also, but his music's still super huge. There's so much going mm -hmm. on. How'd you, how'd you get involved with that? With the Sufjan Stevens uh, band? Well, I had met him just through socially through some people. And then Thomas Bartlett, who produced my last album with me, um, he recommended me hmm. as, cause I think he was looking for someone who could do like finger picky guitar stuff. And yeah, I do a lot of that. So. That's who Sufjan was looking for? I think so, yeah. Was he not playing guitar on that? Oh, no, he played guitar. Yeah. But but the album is very intricate. Like, yeah. there's a lot of intricate finger-picking on okay. that album. So, you know, Casey was playing ukulele a lot of the time. Yeah. And I played this weird instrument called um, a gitlin, which is like a cross between a mandolin and a guitar. Wow. And high-strung guitars. I mean, it was the three of us playing that finger-picky stuff. And then, you know, but... We were playing stuff from his back catalog too, so. Yeah. You know. How do you think uh, things have changed, like as far as the way people release music and stuff since you've been a musician? You've been doing it for a long time. Like. Yeah, I've been putting, I think I put out my first record in 2005. Yeah. It's so funny. And, you know, it's just like the music has its own trajectory, it's got its own journey. It's like yeah. you, you put it out there and then you never know what's going to happen to it, it. Yeah. you can't tell and and that's kind of the thing i like about spotify lately yeah. is that i feel like it there it, it doesn't matter when a song has been released it could come into the public yeah uh ear so you're okay with spotify some people are really anti-spotify i mean i've been i think it's 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 a way I, I use people it. come it's... to my shows and say they found out about me from spotify yeah, so exactly. i don't think that's a terrible thing yeah exactly it's just like I could, well, I would be love to be paid more. Right. 
you know, that would be amazing. Right. But it's better. But your music gets out there. It's mm-hmm. like the biggest radio station on right. planet Earth. Yeah. Spotify. And, and, and but what I love about it that doesn't exist in radio is that there's so much competition in radio and radio has its own sound. You know, it has to be up tempo because people drive. They, yeah. It has to be driving music and people mm-hmm. listen to Spotify for when they're relaxing and, you know, and there's all these playlists like autumn acoustic these are yeah the, you know that my songs are on and it's like yeah those aren't driving playlists those are playlists for people that are like hanging out like chill totally. music yeah <laughs> which you don't have on radio radio right. doesn't have that i know i love that about sometimes yeah. the the spotify uh, algorithm is so eerie eerily like accurate correct about I know. what i want yeah it i mean it's funny me no me too like uh, pandora didn't get it like yeah, their algorithm I never really was wrong. got into pandora yeah, yeah. It, it didn't really work Mm-mm. that way no nope. whereas spotify you put on a record and then you forget about it, and then the record's over, and then Spotify's like, I'll take it from here. And it plays you all this stuff, and you're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, what I is know, this? Oh, it's my personal Spotify uh, DJ mm-hmm. turning me on to stuff. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. A telling. this right before the midterm elections it won't come out before the midterms but so uh you know it's a big politically fraught time in our country and uh you you don't you don't shy away from like political um, topics and stuff yeah talk about the for what it's worth cover okay so i'm about to do a tour with um chris stills who is steven stills son oh really and um it's funny. Oh, for what it's worth. Yeah, that song. and ah. well, well, it's funny because um, I had recorded the Stephen Stills song uh, for what it's worth, and I didn't even realize that Stephen Stills had written it in Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, and, and nobody ever knows the title because uh, it's "Stop, Hey, yeah, What's, what's that? that Sound." That's the song. is Neil Young on that song. Neil Young does he play the little he harmonic? He sings it and he ding ding. ding. Yeah, yeah, okay, That's what yeah, I exactly. Right. So I had recorded that song a few years ago for this compilation. It's just coming out yeah. right before the midterms um, in like two days or something. Uh, and it's funny now that I'm actually going to be on tour with his son when the song is released. But yeah, that song is so incredible. I just you, love so the lyrics. So you recorded that song. that song with him? No, I recorded that song in my backyard. Oh, and you just studio. happened to be touring? And now, like two years later, when it's going to be released, I happen to be paired with him on a tour we're doing a co-headline tour wow yeah so what do you think is going to happen with the midterms i honestly don't know i know i don't either i'm trying not to get my hopes up but i'm doing everything that i can do Mm -hmm. to you know you know with social media just letting people know to register to vote you know a few weeks ago um i feel like a lot of musician friends are doing a lot. I know I see Jim James he did a whole tour get out the vote tour mm-hmm. and he had people sign up yeah. at his shows which I think is just so amazing it's amazing it's hard to think that there's people out there who A aren't registered yet or B aren't um, or don't know who they're going to vote for <laughs> it's hard to imagine that those people actually exist still at yeah. this point although I was talking to my babysitter uh, yesterday and yeah. she said her parents and her brothers never vote because they just don't care. And it was so bizarre to me. It was like, 
sorry if you're listening, Michelle, but <laughs> but it's just like some people, it's just not in their consciousness. Yeah. And that's like, it's hard for me to imagine how that, how that works, but I guess, I don't know. Maybe you're overwhelmed by the negativity and you think, I'll just stay out of it or something. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because my family, my mother is very liberal and my father is quite conservative. Oh, really? That, yeah, that marriage didn't last. But Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but I mean, I love them both. And yeah. it is interesting to love someone who thinks differently than you do. I like, know. And half of my family, like the whole half of my family do not, yeah. are on the opposite side me politically yeah so we just don't talk about you just these don't talk issues. about it Mm-mm. i know i have family members like that too who i don't talk about politics with. i think everybody does yeah you know? and it's sad i wish we could i wish we could talk about it um you know nobody wants to be looked at as like a elitist liberal you know know-it-all so you want to figure out how to like talk about it without being annoying and stuff like that but it's the stakes are high i mean you have kids you have a child, I have yeah. kids, like, we want to, okay, we're living through a really crazy time right now, where it really seems very extreme, as far as what's going on politically, what would you say to your daughter, like, in 20 years, like, what was it like living through this Trump thing, what do you hope I, you can look back and say? I don't know, but I'm just so glad that she cannot understand anything right. that she hears when I listen to NPR, right. Right. <laughs> which I pretty much stopped listening to after the election because it's all they talk about all right. the time. And it's, right. it's just, it's, it's so heavy. gossipy. It's so gossipy. It is a little gossipy. It's all gossip and it's like a tabloid and it just makes me feel gross. It's the same feeling I get when I... You Watch know, Fox secretly, News. <laughs> well, when I secretly pick up a Star magazine at the grocery store or something, it's right. it's like that feeling. It's, That's how NPR makes you feel. Well, no, I mean it did for a while. I know what you mean. You know, I have to I have to balance it out because sometimes you're like, okay, like do they realize how how bubbly they sound, like how in the bubble they are? I think they do. Sometimes they try to be a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, right. The gossipy pointing fingers and just I think being... also it's just something that makes me. I would prefer to. Uh, I would prefer that it just wasn't a reality. You know, I like to live in like a, okay, well that, that offends me and that makes me feel bad. So I'll just ignore it. And make some music or right. something, do yeah. something happy and or productive. Or do whatever I can do to uh, make, make it, it better. Yeah. Make it My, better. A friend that I actually just interviewed, he said the word micropolitics, <laughs> which I think is a really good term. It's like, your personal interactions with people are just micro politics. Yeah. So make those as positive as possible. Yeah. But now just to get a little bitchy for a second, <laughs> if you saw like Paul Ryan or Ted Cruz, like at a restaurant in, you know, in Nashville or something, what would you say to him? Would you say something? No, I, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're people too. I know. You know? And they have families and they have friends. Right. And- that's the whole thing that makes me insane. Yeah. That's that why I feel like I want to talk to them. Too. Right. But that's why I want to talk to them and be like, you're a person. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Like, figure it out, dude. Like your policy, the things you're either putting into place politically or letting slide politically are killing people. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just wow. Where's your soul? Yeah. I answered my own question for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I think. <laughs> It's important. There's so many issues too, like the gun control thing. Yeah. The one that really, really bothers me. My husband works in schools and that, you know, having to do drills and all this. It's It's just terrifying. terrifying. And it's it's 
psychologically damaging, I think, I for people to just engage in that. Yes, know? exactly. Like I don't want my kids. When I did a tornado kids. drill when I was in elementary yeah. school, I never really thought a tornado is going to get you. You know, I'm a little older than you, and I we did um, we did like the Russians are going to nuke us drills. Really? Yeah, okay. in the 80s. Wow. We would sit under our desk. And did that, did you internalize that? Freak the shit out of me. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. And that's the same thing that our kids are going to yeah. go through at school with it's these, horrifying. except that it's something so easily prevented, I feel like. Yeah. Take you away know, the guns. Take away the guns. No guns. Done. Yep. Easy. Yeah. You make it life easier for cops, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Just take them away. Yeah. We took our daughter so to an anti-gun march yeah. here. And I was like, what is her sign going to say? You know? Yeah. And she just, I just wrote on a folder like guns and then like a big I love it. X through it. You right. Know? I took my kids to a, the women, a women's march thing in um, New York and they made signs that said, yay women, boo Trump. <laughs> That was all they could think of. I didn't want them to like, you know, they didn't have, we sure. weren't trying to brainwash them to like be negative, but they were like, that's what we we're going to do. Yeah. That's what they came up with. But like the other thing is I was in the airport just now, you know, in Nashville landing here uh, a few hours ago and I saw two separate guys with huge gun cases flying with these like lock. Wow. They look like guitar cases. Yeah. And the dude was like, oh, those are my shotguns. Oh, those are my, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> You're traveling with guns? How is that okay? It makes no sense to me. It's so bizarre. Like, and what what is the situation where you have to get on a plane and you travel with your gun case and it's okay? What world do we live in? You know? I don't <laughs> it know. It is so insane. I don't know. Like you need to go hunting in, in Tennessee and so you got to bring your guns with you. I think we you. just bring it all back. If it's all about bravado and like proving your, yeah. proving your masculinity, which is what guns are, I think. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of women shooters. Right. Uh, like zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe there's one. I don't know. I don't I don't remember any in the last But yeah, if it's all about years. proving your masculinity. Oh, there was one. There was oh, yeah. that one lady. There was a couple at one point. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's about proving. Anyway, it's an ego thing, sure. a masculinity thing. I think. Yeah. But uh, if you're gonna do that, just get a bow and arrow. Exactly. Get a bow and arrow and try to shoot that turkey. And if you do it, you're awesome. You are amazing. You're macho. Because it's really much harder hard. to shoot a turkey with a bow and arrow than with a gun. Where I live in the, we live in the forest, you know, in upstate New York, and there's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of hunters. There's hunters everywhere, but. Yeah. I love the bow and arrow hunters. I talk to them. That's I great. check out their their arrows. They're super high tech and yeah. cool. And they'll tell you. They'll be like, "Yeah, I did gun hunting for a long time." And I was like, "And they're like, you kind of evolve to bow hunting. It's a little cooler. Really? Yeah, it's cooler because it's harder. It's just it is more ma- macho. Can we just outlaw guns and just have everyone get bow and arrows yeah. instead? There's not going to be as many mass shootings with bow and arrows. It's going to be hard to sneak that into a whatever. How do you? Yeah. <laughs> be a lot better yeah cool we figured it out <laughs> awesome well um do you have any shows or well you have your album your album's out yes and are you working on anything new yet it just came out right it just came out and i'm touring in support of that and um doing some shows kind of s- sporadically um but and then i'm working on this musical i've been working on a musical oh, for yeah. a couple years and i haven't recorded anything from it yet there's one song out there called what is it about it's about um the first woman and the first American to row a boat across the Atlantic Ocean oh, wow. in 1999. And I did a TED Talk about it. There's a link you can watch it on. And I use video footage that she gave me from her row. And I sing a song about it. And the, wow. the show's called Row. And it's cool. It's, it's you know, 
been working on it for a long time. I've written probably like 35 songs for it or, and you know, we keep re-editing it and changing the storyline or, or like trying to, we're now going from a two act to a one act and, but it's a whole different process working in theater. Are you going to put it, put it out and put it on? Uh, well, yeah. So we just did a festival called National Association for Musical Theater and they, which is an honor. They only pick like seven shows and, and they did the first 45 minutes of our show oh, wow. with actors. There's 10 people in the show. Is your husband involved in that? No, but okay. he, he does musical theater right. too. Um, and he's an, he's, he's a, a writer and writer. a musician. Yeah. Cool. Creighton Irons is his name. He's, his, he's great. But, um, yeah, so that musical is going to get a reading at Playwrights Horizons, which is a cool theater in New York in March 1st. And then we'll see what happens after that. You know, it's, it's very expensive to produce a musical. So if anyone's listening that wants to produce my musical, nice. <laughs> let me know. What's it called? It's called Row. Oh yeah. Row. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. You're well, welcome. This has been so fun. Yeah. It's Thanks great for to see singing you again. and talking. Yeah. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for, uh, Introducing me to Nashville. Yeah. Cheers. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> All right. That was my conversation with Don Landis. Hope you enjoyed it. You can check out all her stuff on her website and on YouTube. There's videos of a bunch of her projects, all the stuff she's up to, tour information. You can go to my website, pierredugayon.com, to find out about various projects I have going on, bands, past and present, open kimono, bad reputation. I have a new album coming out shortly. It's my translations of my favorite protest punk indie songs translated into French. So that's coming out soon. Stay tuned for that. And please go to iTunes and subscribe to Pierre Pressure Podcast and rate it. The more interaction you do with the robot, the better it is for the podcast. So I would love your support if you're enjoying the podcast. And if anybody out there wants to talk to me about politics and music, hit me up. Vive la resistance.